Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro, your host, and we have something a little different this week because, well, because we had a glitch in the recording. Uh, in this week's episode, I had gotten together with David Price from 11 O'Clock Comics and from Marvel Noise, and Sean Whalen from Raging Bullets. You may be familiar with these guys from their own shows because they do two great shows or three great shows. And they were on Back to the Bins back a couple of months ago. Uh, so I had them back on, and we all picked out books to do. And we got together, and we did some general to- comic talk. And then we uh, we did my book, which was Amazing Spider-Man 200. At that point, we realized there was some sort of problem with the recording. So we checked it out, and we started to record again. Now it turns out the problem with the recording was a corrupted file. And the first half of our recording didn't come out. But I do have about an hour of recording where we discussed Sean's book and we discussed David's book. And I think it was pretty good, so I'm going to put it out there for you anyway. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Back to the bin. Yeah, you know what? It looks like maybe it was recording, so I might, I might have it. So you know what? We'll we'll do the two books we didn't do. We'll pick up as if we were still doing the same show. And if for some reason I don't have a recording of the whole thing, then I'll bother you guys when you have some free time. We'll go back in and do Spider-Man again. Okay. If that works for you. I'm always up for talking Spidey, so it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I've been there before. (laughs) I got to tell you, Sean, you surprised me. Because when I gave you free reign, I just assumed we were getting a Hawkman book. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh wait! You haven't given me a you haven't given me free reign yet on the book. Wait till we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so what what did you pick? Starman, Starman number nineteen. Nineteen. Are we jumping? Are we jumping to mine now? That's what I thought. Unless you guys had yes. you want you want to no you, no did, go did, ahead. Were you done with Spider Man, or did you want to have any more points no, to make? That's, that, no, that's perfectly fine. This was um, I actually love to talk about this one. <laughs> Move out of the way. <laughs> This is Starman, um, number 19. This was Talking with David, 96. James Robinson was the writer. Tony Harris on pencils. Wade Von Graubodger, I'm probably butchering his name, and I love him to death, is the inks. Gregory Wright, colorist. Oakley um, on letters. Archie Goodwin, editor. Chuck Kim, assistant editor. And I'm going to apologize for any name butchery. This is one of my shortlist single favorite issues of all time of a book. Uh, I'm what was starting. the date of release on this one? I'm sorry. This was 1996. Well, June is 96 is the cover date, but um, that would have put it at what? Uh, April? Or May? Of 96? Okay. Because un- <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> I read the. Uh... The Roger Stern, Tom Lyle, Starman. <laughs> oh, I love that series. I love but, Little Peyton Starman. But that's okay. Yeah. I'm ready to jump right in with you. Don't worry. 
Yeah, this was the this was after Zero Hour. Um, this was the premise here was um, in the first issue of this series, Starman, who is David Knight, died. He was killed, and we didn't really know him. I mean, he wasn't a character that we had a lot of time with, and his brother, who was. You know, he was the younger brother. He was the one who, you know, was kind of the black sheep of the family, didn't quite live up to his potential. He was at this time in my life. This is kind of where I was at. I was um, I was out of I was out of high school, I was in college, didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself for sure. Career wise, I picked up on this book and it was it was one of those therapeutic titles <laughs> where, where um, my brother and I weren't getting along real well you know, at this time. And I, I love my brother, Duff. He's a great guy, but, um, we weren't, you know, we kind of rubbing each other the wrong way. So there was a lot in this book that I was relating to. And this was the issue where it was a pirate issue. And the beauty of this was every year they did this talking with David special. The premise was Jack would go to like a ghost world, like a heaven or whatever it was. And he would encounter his brother. And this for us as the reader was a chance for us to see their relationship. And the brothers could tell Jack certain things that would help him in his upcoming arc. It would help him for the year. But there were rules. He couldn't lay out specifics. He could only give hints. He could only he would try to set Jack on a certain path. For us as the reader, it acted like as a prelude of what was coming. You know, it was a teaser to pull us into the story, and it did it so well. The issue was always in black and white. The color piece was always David, the dead brother. So he would eventually show up on the scene. With this one, it opened up with Jack seeing a a boat, a small pirate boat coming to him to take him to the larger pirate ship. And this pirate that he was riding with, Jack's like telling this whole exposition to him and the pirate's not answering him. So he's assuming this isn't like a ghost in this world who just is not acknowledging Jack. It turns out it was his brother playing pirate all along. He pulls out the outfit and, you know, it's, it's, it's like one of those things where, gotcha, dude. You know, and you could almost feel him high-fiving him. I just, it held up so well for me when I was reading this. They get to the pirate ship, and David's asking Jack like what his last year was like. So it's also a summary of what happened in the last year, but it's done through Jack's lens with David reacting to it. So it wasn't a simple rehash. It was kind of a telling us a little bit more of how Jack is doing now after what happened in the last year. So it, for me, it was reading this was such a unique experience. So after that, you got to learn about the whole supporting cast through David's lens, um, including things like Solomon Grundy is now Jack's friend because Grundy regenerates. And every time he regenerates, he has a different personality. So this was a good guy, Grundy. The blue star man was now hanging out with Jack Knight and his family. So there was this star man universe that was being developed. Jack starting to get along with his father, who he's rebelled against for years because he did not want to be star man. But now he is Starman and he's starting to own it, you know, 19 issues in. And he's become a very unique Starman. In the midst of all this, Jack goes on this pirate adventure with his brother where they overtake another pirate ghost ship. So it turns into this really cool pirate story. And for anybody who's like Peter Pan or any pirate movie growing up, whatever, 
it's whatever you dreamed of. You see these two brothers, they're not playing pirates, they are pirates. And they're having this cool moment together where every so often you get these buddy cop moments where the two of them are looking at each other like, yeah, man, we just did that. And at the very end of it, and this is where it really struck me this time, David reminds Jack that he's forgotten it's his birthday. You always forget that it's your birthday. You know, it's it's something that Jack never acknowledges. So he gives his brother a present. The present he gives him is time with his mom. And it's his mom is also in color, including the entire area where she is. And we're left with that as basically the cliffhanger with David watching on smiling, you know, just at like what he just did for his brother. And it was I, I was moved by it because I'm like, you know, we've all hit lost people in our lives. I lost my mother uh, last year. And when I saw this moment, I was just kind of like, wow, you know, who doesn't want, who doesn't have somebody in their life that they're like, that person passed on. I would love that moment with them. And this story had that. It was that cool moment. We, we aren't a, we aren't a party of that other than we see Jack rushing to that moment. He only has like an hour with her. That was the premise. And we don't, we're not a part of that hour. That's Jack's hour with his mom. That's their private moment. And I thought that was a brilliant storytelling tool. Because that really should be something just between them. We got to see the whole adventure with his brother, David. It was a single, very contained, self-contained issue. Um, They did this every year. And I just thought it was something that was really unique. It's my favorite issue of the series. And I just, for me, it held up really, really well. And and it's, it's a series, it's on my short list of favorite series of all time. Because I just thought from start to finish, from zero all the way through to the, it was like it was 84, I think was the issue. And if, if I'm, I'm off by an issue or two, it, it was in the 80s. Um, it just, this was a series that I really, truly enjoyed from start to finish because it really had a beginning, middle and ending to it. But this issue was my, if you had to, if I had to pick a favorite, this was my standout issue. Now, as I said, I poorly read the wrong book uh so while while you were talking about it i punched up some images so that i could see some of the artwork that you're talking about and i obviously was listening to the story and pieced together what i could from artwork just to kind of figure out where it is uh the artwork is gorgeous this is just uh, i can't comment on the storytelling because i don't have enough of it in front of me to really do that but what I see is really cool. It, it, it reminds me of an old movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that feel, except for the color images, which also in their own way remind me of, a color, of an old movie as well. It's just like two old, you know, it's almost like you got an Errol Flynn pirate movie and, uh, and an older pirate movie in black and white jammed together. Uh, so I really, really like the artwork in this. And I got to tell you... I, I get I get overly sentimental about stories like this, the, the way you describe this, and uh, I, I love that kind of that kind of thing. I, I just really do, especially the you know the visit with his mom and everything. Because who, like you said, who wouldn't have that on the top of their wish list? Is taking somebody that they love like their mom and getting an extra hour with them after they're gone. I'm sorry. Just overall, this. I mean, from what I can piece together. This is an awesome book. I, I don't. I don't blame you for having this as your favorite in the series. I've, I've long been saying I need to get, in one form or another, all of the James Robinson Starman and sit down and just read it from beginning to end. And and this this only emphasizes that for me. 
the omnibuses are the way to do it if you have an opportunity to get them because they re-released it all in omnibus format and it has like all of the extras there were text pieces that went along with it every short story that was contained in the showcase issues um it really is including the dark horse hellboy crossover is in the omnibuses which was really great um the one thing to note about this series for anybody who hasn't had an opportunity to experience it it led to a great crossover with power shazam but it also led to directly into jsa the Jeff Johns run of JSA. Um, it was Robinson and David Goyer who actually kicked off that series. Then Jeff Johns took over and it led into those wonderful years of JSA. And then for me, the Hawkman spinoff that came off of that. There you go. So this, this actually um, started a whole path for me of just amazing storytelling and your comments about it being a lot like an old movie. I felt like all of that, um, from Starman straight on through the JSA to the Hawkman run that came out of that, a lot of that felt very reminiscent of a balance between some of those classic serials and that old style of, of storytelling and a modern-day trend. It was very retro while at the same time being current and, and edgy. Um, it just it really worked in an era where the Vertigo stories were you know, becoming more and more popular, that kind of style. Um, and this was contained in the DC universe. And this story really, I think, skirted the line of being what could have been considered a Vertigo title mm-hmm. uh, within the DC universe in, in a way that just worked really well. It kept an identity. Now we, Opal, we've, Opal, Opal had a, a great identity. Sorry. We No, that's, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We've, we've covered some books recently. We covered uh, the first issue of uh, The Ultimates and the first issue of Superman Batman from whatever, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And we've had some comments about the decompressed storytelling. And it looks to me like in the current day and age, a lot of times when you get a cinematic story, they are extremely decompressed to the point where one issue is just not totally satisfying. It's almost like you have to read it in the trade to get a satisfying story out of it. And from what I can piece together on this, it does not look like that's the case here. It looks like they managed to get a cinematic feel without it being that, without it being so decompressed that it's unsatisfying. And I'm curious to hear your take on that because I haven't been able to sit down and read through this. Well, it was the nice part about the way that this these issues, the Talking with David issues, were crafted. They were meant to be from start to finish very self-contained. They were also meant to be jump-on points. Um, I, I don't know if Robinson consciously said, you know, these are definite jump on points, but it was an ending of the previous year and a beginning of the next direction for the story. So these were really well crafted ways of, you know, when when you're a kid and you're reading, you know, a few different titles at the same time, I didn't have the budget that I have today. Um, it's kind of fun to get kind of a recap of what was going on in your story without it being just that. There was something more to it. It like took your character farther. That's what these did really well. They took your character to a whole new place. We had no idea when I when we read this, we had no idea that the pirate story was going to build to something else. And it did. And I'm not going to spoil that for anybody that wants to, you know, read Starman and hasn't read it yet. But this is very much a prologue. And... That was the cool thing about it. Very well-contained, well-crafted story. But everything here that David was hinting at within this story that, you know, I'm telling you some things that you're going to need to know for the coming year. We were, as the reader, as much in the dark as Jack was there. 
But David gave us as the reader, he was talking to us as much as to Jack, enough of a hint of like, hey, this is what you're in for for the coming year. I just thought for Robinson, this was really brilliant. This is a guy who came off a firearm, which I really liked from Malibu. Oh, yes. Yeah, which which drew me into this. Um, That really was, it was funny. Um, I was at an age where I was noticing writers and was really drawn to certain writers. And his firearm run was something that I'm like, oh, I like this guy. Um, And he's going to write something for DC now. How cool is that? And it was, I was talking to my comic shop owner at the time. And he clued me in that Starman was going to be written by him, but, you know, before the Zero issue was out. And I was like, um, and he knew the Simonsons. Like, because of, you know, the way conventions worked back in the time, you know, your comic retailers, you know, had like started to get to know a lot of the creators. And um, he just had ended up having a relationship with both of the Simonsons. So he would always tell stories about ahead of time who was coming on to what book and what that looked like. So he was really, for me, a wonderful resource because we didn't have the Internet to like know the things that we know now about who's yeah. going to be jumping on what ahead of time. So, you know, he said that this is the guy from Firearms going to be writing this. That was what drew me to this book with the Zero issue. And um, how how thrilling it was that he delivered this title because I thought it was for Robinson the next evolution in his career when he when he did Starman. It's a, it's a great series. I don't know if you guys feel the same. I don't know what your experience of it is for either of you. But that's that's my take on this book. And I was thrilled with how well this whole held up for me. I read the, uh, I didn't read Starman as it was coming out. I did buy the first volume on the bus and I wanted to really, really like it because so many of my friends, um, love it and, and think it's, it's fantastic. And I think, um, I think the art is great. I do like Robinson's work. Uh, the golden age is one of my favorite stories. But I wasn't feeling Starman. It, it it reminded me of, um, and it worked for Mark Wade. But it reminded me of when Mark Wade was writing The Flash. He was getting a lot of his demons out. But him writing Wally was very personal. Whatever he was going through in his life, he was putting Wally through on the page in The Flash, and that um, it, it it was a personal story, and and there was a connection there, and and. This version of Starman was James Robinson's Starman. Like there was no one else who would write this Starman, and I don't know if because I just read it so much later, it wasn't impenetrable. I just I wasn't. It's the same thing with me and, and The Walking Dead or Why the Last Man. I I, I read something and I, I just I'm not getting the same punch that everybody else who was either there on the ground floor or just it just spoke to them. I'm not getting that same thing. That's an interesting way to put it. I don't know that I don't know that I can't obviously speak to that experience. I don't know that you're wrong in that. Um, Because for me, I will say there there is a part of that where I'm putting myself as I read this back in the place I was back then. Right. Um, This issue, I will say, took a more of a personal turn because of my recent experience, you know, with my mom passing away. But but I mean, that's a very contained issue. The experience of reading Starman, which is what you're alluding to, though, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I can see that it's very much a period piece. Um, Robinson had a beginning, middle, or ending. And, and I, I give him credit 
and I give DC credit for keeping this very contained mm-hmm. uh, because it would be very easy nowadays to bank off of the fact that this was a character that for the people that read it when it was out um, were very loyal to this character. But I think you could really water it down very quickly by bringing this guy back um, without it being in the right hands. I'm not saying they should never do it. Maybe there will be a point at some point. Um, but I like that they haven't, <laughs> sure. which which is very odd for me because I'm not usually like that with characters. I'm usually like, bring them back. I want to read more with that character anyway. This one, for some reason, I find it refreshing that they haven't. I, I'm kind of the same way with Sandman. Um, in the sense that I know it's back now in the sense, but it's still Neil Gaiman doing Sandman. Um, I think there's certain things that like it's a contained experience. Why the last man's one of them that just kind of need to be contained like that. Um, and every series you're running off like walking dead, why the last man, I, I read all those from the beginning. So I, I think you're right. There's a certain point to what you're saying. If you didn't experience it at a certain time, maybe it has a different place for you. That's that's interesting. I, I, it'll be curious to see some of your listeners, Paul, after this, um, what their responses are, and if you know if they've read this series, when they read it, you know, before mm-hmm. or after. Although uh, omnibus, the one thing I will say um, about the omnibus and caution people about the omnibus was kind of like a remastered version. The coloring work in the omnibus does look different because the paper's different. So you don't have the same tones, if that makes sense, that you did in the original. There's, I still have all of my original issues. And I thought when I'd get the omnibuses that I would sell them. Uh, after reading the omnibuses through, I couldn't part with my original issues because of those differences. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And I have seen work where the, you know, the, the different printing style does affect it, especially when they take very old stuff and they print it in the current way. Sometimes it's intentional, uh, like when they did uh, the uh, Tales of Asgard, the Kirby Tales of Asgard, and they recolored them. And other times it's just a different, you know, like you say, different paper, different just texture that's going to create a different look. And I haven't, you know, as I said, I haven't, dived into this yet but i've been uh much like david has i've heard so many people rave about it that i feel i need to and uh i'm gonna let you know what my experience is as i get you know started from the beginning and get through it uh interestingly uh bill robinson who was on for a few minutes earlier uh unless i misunderstood what he had said he they went to a convention last month and they found a booth where they were selling comics i think it was $3 $3 for a pound of comics was how they were selling them. Wow. And I think he got a complete run of Starman from that. Wow. Wait, $3? Well, it was, it was, it's $3 a pound, and I think, you know, the Starman run was a couple of pounds <laughs> or yeah. a few pounds. But either way, I mean, it's a bargain. I'll double what he paid. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> take it off his hands <laughs> i don't know why i need another run of it but just on general it's, principle <laughs> it's like me it's like me with mage it's like i'll, I'll buy another first set Absolutely. We, we were talking about that recently i don't remember what book it was but scott who's also my other co-host on the show was at a, at a store where they were selling dollar comics and it was a comic that he loved so much and he has it but when he saw it there for a dollar it was like oh i can't just leave it there i have to take it you know, there's certain okay. books that, that you just can't leave. Definitely not. 
I've you become see, so much more a reader now than um, you know seeking out single issues that when there's an opportunity to grab a run of anything, you know, I mean that like I haven't read that I was remotely interested in. I mean that's like gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when when you get the dollar bins or the quarter bins or whatever you know the cheap bins, and they actually have the books you know alphabetized somehow. That's that's like a gift because you can put together runs in, out of out of bins like that. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and actually give this a grade, even though I couldn't read it, <laughs> which is probably unfair. Uh, I'm look I'm looking at an image of the cover right now, and I just think it looks extremely cool. So I'm giving the cover a B plus. The story that you told really, like I said, it hit that sentimental bone in my body. So I'm ready to give that an A. And the interior art looks really nice, but I think I'm going to just drop it down slightly to just a regular plain old B. So overall, I'm going to give the book a B plus, and I'm probably not qualified to grade it at all since I didn't have a chance to read it. Well, you prefaced with that, though. So I mean, that's I think that's a fair grade based on what your experience was, which I, I think is a, a fair way to approach it. David, where are you at? Uh, looking at the cover, I'm going with a B, and the way you summed up the story and, and uh, gave it your personal spin on it, I'm, I'm going with an A on the story. I have not seen any of the interior pages. Yeah, For, for me, um, this one, uh, the the artwork was an A plus for me. I have I've always loved Tony Harris's art, and art is so subjective. It's you know personal connection, but um, I've got on my wall they had the six covers that had all of the Star Men put together. I actually got that poster. It was Alex Ross and Tony Harris together. They uh, did that, and I got it framed and matted. And um, I have the statue. I have the badge. I'm a Star Man junkie, so I, the reason why I'm prefacing with that is. You have to, I'm probably giving extra credit all over the place because of my personal connection with this story. Um, I'm thrilled that as a fan of this, I haven't read this in a few years. I read the omnibuses when they came out, so that was the last time I read this. Um, I was thrilled at how well this held up. I was also thrilled, and it's an A-plus for me in the art and the story, the personal connection. And obviously you guys you know, gave some of your grading based on where my story was from this. I will admit that, um, you know, my losing my mom recently made this story of a read it very differently. Cause I was more focused on the pirate story between the two. When I was reading it this time, I forgot about the mom. <laughs> so when that part came in, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this like story has taken a different twist and turn for me in relevance that I didn't expect. It came out as a surprise. Cause I picked this one because it was the pirate story the two brothers going on this, you know, pirate adventure together. Uh, the mom thing didn't have the resonance for me the first time through that it did now. And I loved that. So it's an A plus for me in the sense that I read the story completely differently this time and really found an intense amount of value in it. So, um, I hope somebody out there listening to this and maybe hasn't read it, gives the series a shot. And I, I would personally love to know if anybody hasn't read this, um, what your experience is with it. Did, you know, does it hold up for you or not? David, your comments were very interesting to me 
um, just in the sense that you read it later than me. I would be curious to see if anybody else has you know similar experience, David, or if you connect with it somewhere in the middle between the two of us. Um, that always fascinates me. It's always fun to see how people experience something that you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm, I'm just looking again at the, the pages I was able to find, and and I. If if I had a chance to put this in front of me, I think I might have even been a little skimpy on the grade because the combination of color and black and white in the same panels on the same pages that's you know that's that's easy to understate how difficult that is because drawing, you know, artwork that's meant to be printed in black and white and artwork that's meant to have color added to it are two two totally different forms of art. And to do that and combine it in the same pages, there's, there's something to be said for that that I'm probably not giving enough credit to in my original grade. For me, it was a, I think the art mixture with the story is what does that. So it's funny. I, I have trouble with this issue in particular separating them because the way Robinson and Harris worked together on this series, um, there was an interesting marriage of how that all went together that I think all of those pieces, parts for me go together. I mean, we all, uh, you know, I've, I've listened to both of you guys you know, talk about some of your favorites over time. We all have those teams that stand out for us. Those people, when you put them together, like independently, they're awesome. But when they're together, there's something dynamic and special. And we all have those short lists of teams that mean something to us. Um, this was a writing and art team for me that just really... In, in the first part of the series, because the art changed a little while later, um, the first part of the series just really hit it out of the park. And I continued loving the art afterwards, but this was really special in the beginning. Um, so it's, it's cool. That's very cool. I'm, I'm anxious for this next one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, it, I, I guess it makes sense, considering the, the, the crossover that, that happened Uh between these characters, but uh, I am I, I am not uh, well read when it comes to Hellboy. I know more about Hellboy because of the two movies than I do from the comics, and, uh, and that's not because I didn't care. I, I remember reading the first Hellboy miniseries when the Legend imprint from Dark Horse first came out. Um, I am a big Mike Mignola fan, but my my contribution to tonight is uh, Hellboy: The Wolves of Saint August, uh, written by and drawn by Mike Mignola, uh, letters by Pat Russo, colors by James Sinclair. This is the uh, the first non John Byrne scripted Hellboy story originally presented in dark horse presents uh four parts 88 89 90 91 uh back in 1994 the version i'm reading is the collected edition uh that uh that 48 page if you want to call it a graphic novel um or collection but it it, it takes those four chapters uh, expands on it a little bit um so i read the See the destruction. Read the first miniseries, reread it, and and uh, well after I watched the movies, and uh, and and it's I still hear Ron Perlman as Hellboy as as I'm reading it, but it's not um, it's not so um, severe, 
it, it this the Hellboy in the comic is different than the Hellboy I see in the movies. It, it doesn't have to me the the same attitude. But I decided to um, probably about a year ago uh, before the Hellboy in Hell series happened uh, when that was announced. Dark Horse Digital put every Hellboy uh, series title art of hellboy uh in a massive sale so i picked up everything they had from hellboy 70 plus um stories be it collections or, or, or titles from the various miniseries uh and this is this is the book that everybody kind of is the hellboy model instead of it being you know hellboy number one going all the way up to hellboy 70 it's all the stories are, are told in their own limited series so you'll have seed of destruction you'll have um every other every other subtitled hellboy book will be its own miniseries but it's an ongoing uh story it it it's started here and it, it continues going so it's not um it's not like it, it's just a different miniseries told at a different time there, there, there's an ongoing narrative so uh, i decided to read this one since i read the the seed of destruction and this is um this pretty much takes place after uh the seed of destruction but there are some some who say that it um it could be could have taken place just before because really the only the only characters in this story are hellboy and um dr kate corgan and uh and they basically go to Griart in the Balkans and and uh, to investigate something that's amiss. There is a uh, there's a priest, Father um, Ed Kelly, who goes to this town because this town is without a priest. Uh, it's um, it's around Easter. It's going to hold mass, uh, but something happens to the priest. Hellboy shows up. Hellboy is friends with father Kelly. Um, so he's there to find out what happened to his friend. That is when Hellboy and Kate, uh, come across some ghosts. It turns out that, uh, this town was renamed, uh, to avoid the inquisition. There's a family involved that, uh, bad things happened. And I, um, I'll deliberately be vague, but Hellboy comes face to face with the uh, with the big bad of the story. It it is it's a beautifully illustrated story. I can't I I'm reading it because it is digital. I'm reading it on the iPad. The, the Mignola has it, it, it's not news to anybody. He has such a way with with blacks, and uh, instead of cheating. Or, or take an easy way out of filling a panel with blacks. He still takes the time to draw statues or, or, or the, uh, the breaks in a pane of glass, uh, the buildings in, in the background. There are, there, there are no shortcuts. He, he, he puts a lot on every page. And, and this is, this is a story that was originally done in 1994 and it still looks amazing. Um, I, uh, Hellboy is just his presence on every page is a the character is 
big and red. He's wearing his trench coat. He's got his gun. He, uh, it, it just, everything about this just, it looks great. It feels like it should be a quick read, uh, somewhat of a short story because it's just, it, the story happens very quickly. They, they, they come across the wolf and, uh, and, and, and Hellboy fights the wolf and, that goes on for a few pages, so it, it, it happens in a very short amount of time. But there's nothing uh, quick about reading this story. You can't um, just flip through the book and and see a fight scene or um, look at big, large panels where all Hellboy says is "boom" as he goes and beats up on a wolf. And and it's uh, there is there is so much to take in on every page. You can't. Uh, you're not flipping through this. You're absolutely not. You are, you are stopping on every single page and and uh, and just looking at the work Mignola puts on every page and uh, and and the fight scenes, the choreograph, the 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 backgrounds when when uh, the fight's happening or Kate is in the background trying to um, make sense of it all. It all just it all just works and it it's. Uh, if you have seen the Hellboy movies and you know, Seed of Destruction is where the main, um, the first Hellboy movie takes a lot from that story. Uh, if you don't read that one, you could probably start with the wolves of St. August and, uh, it will get you acclimated. You, you will understand what the, Bureau of Paranormal Investigations about and and uh, and who Hellboy is, what he's doing, and after I read this, I'm going to pick up the next volume in in this series and it, well, whatever whatever the reading chronological, however the reading order is, I'm going to to follow because uh, I it's this kind of story is is what uh, is what hooks you in a character in a universe and and I uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily kicking myself for waiting so long to read Hellboy but I'm I'm glad that uh, that there is a book a character like Hellboy that uh, lets you know that there are other things out there besides um, spider-man or Superman or stray bullets or saga this is just this is why I love reading comic books because the 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 love that the creator has in crafting a story telling a story with this character and and just you can tell there is just the work put on the page and and uh the story that 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 Mignola wants to tell it it's contagious i i absolutely think that um this is one reason why why comic books were made was so that we could have a character like hellboy and enjoy these stories as uh, as they're made available to us now unfortunately again we're, we're doing a book that I don't own uh, okay so, so but you you gave me a heads up that you were picking this book I don't know a month ago month and a half ago so I've gone online I've looked looked up I got some descriptions of the story and then I found some pages of art and and I've been able to kind of piece together so that I I, I think I have a good feel for this story. Uh, not quite as good as if I sat down and just read it in a trade or, or on my iPad or anything like that. 
but close enough that I, I, I feel qualified, unlike Starman, where I, I kind of was making it up as we went along. I do feel like I have a, a better feel for this. And, and my experience is very similar to yours in that my exposure to Hellboy has been the two movies. Okay. Uh, I really haven't sat down and read Hellboy yet. But this issue, like you, makes me say, hmm, I, I should read more. <clears throat> and and it's I think it's a great thing when you find something like this. It's not, okay, here's a new series coming out, and I'm going to get an issue this month, and I'm going to get an ne- issue next month. Here's something where there's an entire library of books that you can get excited about getting and reading at your own pace. And you don't have to worry about when the new ones are coming out. And that's that's kind of nice. Uh, I'm not the biggest Mignola fan. And it's not because I can't see how terrific his artwork is. I can. I'm just generally more of a fan. My My personal likings generally go to a cleaner, brighter style. And okay. he is very, as you said, into the blacks. So when he's worked on superhero stuff, like when he did the Wolverine graphic novel, mm-hmm. I didn't feel that he was necessarily the right choice to do that. But he, this might be the best matchup of an artist's style to the creator-owned work that he has. Because his style is very, very gothic, and the story is very, very gothic. And especially the scene when the uh, when the wolf reveals himself, mm-hmm. and I hate to use the same terminology again and again, but it's very cinematic. I could see that easily translating to the screen in a horror movie, and being yeah. scary as hell. Yeah. And and it, and it and it's really conveyed so well in in this book that uh, you know what I could say is you know this this makes me want to get Hellboy. It makes me want to get issues and start. I, I, I think I would probably backtrack the one series and, and read the burn written book and then work my way forward from there. And I'm not sure. I, I think if my understanding of Hellboy is correct, that Mignola didn't go with a linear approach to his storytelling, that he jumps through the ages a lot. So you don't even necessarily have to go in order. Right. But, yeah, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure you're right because it's uh, they're packaged as limited series, so you should be able to just jump in. I mean, you're without reading past this, I'm I, I'd probably make a bet to say that we will see Father Kelly in a future story that will just be a few years in the past, and and that's that's fine. I love that. I, I love getting clues or or being introduced to a character who you know sadly what happens to father kelly in this series in this story um doesn't bode well for his future but that doesn't mean because of how long hellboy has been around since the second world war that there won't be other stories where father kelly appears right and uh i'm I'm very curious because of the excitement i heard in your voice sean as to what you think of this well here's a funny part um, first of all, David, I love you to death for picking this story. Um, I read Legend back in the day. It was, you know, when the imprint came out, it was oh, yeah. the big names. Frank Miller, John Byrd. These guys are jumping over and, like, you know, doing this thing with Dark Horse. I didn't have much of a budget to put together, but I was at, like, that time where I had a 
like one or two key titles that I was like getting every month. And then I had this budget where like I walk into the comic shop and try to like grab, you know, some interesting things to read. And um, it wasn't much. So a lot of my budget went to Legend <laughs> when it first came out. And I knew Mignola from, you know, I mean, Batman, his Batman work. I really Cosmic was, Odyssey. Yeah, Gotham by Gaslight. I mean, you yeah. know, stuff like that. I really, because Elseworlds I thought was really, at the time, Elseworlds was very cutting edge too. Cosmic Odyssey, you're 100% correct. Um, Death in the Family, all kinds of stuff, you know, where you would see him either on cover work or interiors. So I gradually was getting to know his art style. When this hit, it was there was I felt like there was more of a personal relationship with him because of the way that things happened with his characters and in this story. This one, I don't know why I don't remember it, and that's <sighs> why I'm saying you're awesome because I looking at the timing of when this came out, this was the one right after Seeds of Destruction. Yeah, and I had to have read this when it came out. I don't remember it. Well, were you also getting Dark Horse Presents? Because yeah, because that's where this this that, that's where this originally appeared. So I had to have read it in Dark Horse Presents. I don't know why I don't remember it. Because what I would do at Dark Horse Presents if I saw a Legend story in it, I would grab it. So I guess maybe that maybe you're right. Maybe in the sense that it was one of the times where I wasn't getting Dark. Maybe I missed it. Um, I got this for a buck ninety nine on Dark Horse's app. There you go. Wow. I mean, if anybody out there hasn't read this, do yourself a favor. I mean, it was a buck ninety nine. It's forty four pages. Yeah, this was brilliant. Um, I, I I love the sense of history when we're talking about the fact that you know hopefully characters will appear later. I got to admit, I have not read a ton of Hellboy. I've read a few miniseries. I, I obviously read it when it kicked off, but because of budget reasons, it was one of those things where I jumped off because of budget, not because of quality. And I haven't, I got back in like in a story here and a story there, always loved it, but I didn't fully get back in. This gives, I want to read more, like a lot more after this. This was really fantastic. The story holds up extremely well from yeah. 1994. The artwork is stunning. Um, the storytelling that's being told here is just really fantastic. I, I don't think your cinematic uh, comments are off at all. Uh, I love the fact that it starts off with that black and white photo, photo yes. of Father Kelly and Hellboy because I'm a big fan of history. You know, the idea that these characters have something that we need to learn about. Uh, it makes them far more interesting to know that Hellboy's been around for a long time and that there's, there's stories that we're going to see in flashbacks. Um, I don't care when I get to know them. I want to know them. This Father Kelly story, I was so sad when something happened to him, but... I'm with you. I want to know more, and I'm hoping there were opportunities. I'm assuming there were opportunities for more Father Kelly somewhere in this. But that, whether there is or there isn't, that's a sign of great storytelling. When you care enough that you actually want to read more of these characters. Yeah. You know, uh, we're talking about a supporting cast member that really was sort of a smaller piece of all this because Hellboy is your main focus. And yet I really, I, I'm like, he's my friend. What did you just do to him? <laughs> that's when, when a creator can do that in a one shot, like he did in this, that's a home run. <laughs> really good stuff. And father Kelly's in it for like six pages, if that. And, and that's the whole reason why, you know, Hellboy is 
coming to town and uh it, it's it introduces kate corrigan who we see later on uh in other stories so i mean it, it he mignola just does a great job in in so few pages in building building his universe introducing you to characters and and it's not uh you know no one feels insignificant and and uh no no action seems um seems like it's it's everything has an intent mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm looking at the cover online right now the cover is almost art adams-esque yeah oh yeah that's that's you know what i that didn't occur to me that's that's a nice description of it, it i i really like the blend on the cover where you have hellboy up front and the uh the the cross the with with the uh you know, Jesus having been taken down from the cross in the middle, and then the wolf in the back. Uh, really, just just a beautiful piece of art. Yeah. And so I'm I'm looking, and again, I'm I'm qualifying my uh, my ratings with the fact that I never sat down and read this from beginning to end. But this one, like I said, I did do a little bit more research. I almost feel like I read it from the read it through. I'm giving the cover an A. I'm giving the interior art an A plus. And I'm giving the story an A, which may be the highest I've ever rated a book since we've been rating them on the show. Wow, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. I yeah, know the, the the cover gets cover gets a uh, gets an A plus. The uh, the interior art is uh, that that def- that that gets an A, and the uh, the story. I mean, this was this was Mignola writing his character uh without the assist of uh of anyone else and and i think he did a fantastic job um if you want to say the first time out i i'm i'm giving that an a plus it just it i mean mignola only gets better from here i mean it's from 1994 he um he is not uh i don't think he i mean i remember his alpha flight stuff and and his incredible hulk stuff and he was never a slouch but he he only has gotten better, and uh, the, the the whole thing, A and A pluses. And like I said, I just think this subject matter suits his style so much better. Absolutely, and I'm I'm not a, I'm I am not well versed in religion. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you you know one statue from one from one saint. To I, I have no knowledge on things like that. But it, to, to be able to still sit back and enjoy a story and and read about a uh, a demon from hell uh investigating the paranormal and and having to combat religious uh, villains if you want to say and and with other um with religion and and artifacts and baubles and and it's just it it kudos to to just sucking me in i read this twice this week um, and honestly, for no reason other than the fact I got to the end of this and I had to do a double take because I knew from when I bought it on the app that it was 44 pages. I couldn't believe at how smooth a read it was. Like there was nothing. 
Um, you, you said it before, David. There wasn't a wasted panel in this. Like, everything was necessary. There was a well-thought-out reason for it. It just moves at a really, really... I mean, there could be a lot of storytellers that could learn a lot from this particular tale. <laughs> because I just felt it moved really great at the end. I loved the summary at the end, that little box with the BPRD, you know, the follow-up investigation. That's all you need. Because instead of, you know, a lot of people hanging around, like, waiting for the bus to take them away from summer camp. No one's standing around going, all right, well, I'll see you later. All right, yeah, this was fun. Okay, great. This was just... the it it, it Kate is talking to Hellboy and then the one box you mentioned and the village remains uninhabited. The end. It's like, it, okay. It, it added a mood and an atmosphere. Yes. I want to shout out the color work because for me, um, totally kudos to everything that's been said about the artwork. But one of the things that really stood out for me is in my second read through this story was how the color tones changing throughout the story evoked a mood in me and really set a tempo. Um, it's something I, I'm not an artist. I'm not very good at picking out, you know, uh, the, the fine lines and details of artwork. I know the em emotion that it evokes in me. And that's really, I think, you know, what most of your creators want from your audience. You want to evoke some form of emotion. This really, for me was, I loved the shifting tones and the way as the story went along, it got darker and darker. Um, it was, it was a wonder. I'm a big Hitchcock man i love alfred hitchcock films and i felt this had a great build of suspense to it that i just was captivated the whole way through for a story from 94 i you could publish this today and i mean i paid two bucks for that. i feel like i owe him something <laughs> 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 like, was, i mean this was really really so obviously i mean i i have no hesitation in saying this was an a plus for me out of the books that we've read this is the one i have not read before and I'm so glad that we did this because um, the opportunity to read this story and because um, I, if I read it, I don't remember. And I think some of it's due to what you were talking about, David. I may have missed it because it was in Dark Horse Presents because I was puzzled. I'm like, in 94, I, I don't know. I read the first one. How did I not follow that up? Because um, I, I remember loving Seeds of Destruction. So I can't imagine passing this up. But. I loved every bit of this experience. I just think it was, and that's the only way to put it. It was an experience and just well-crafted. And I, I got to compliment the color work because I just think that was, um, yeah, exactly. Um, too often when we, we talk about great creators, we forget the fact that when there's a great team and you've got a color colorist who really understands the story that's being told, um, what a dynamic story this was. Agreed. Yeah, thank you for picking this one. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I I, I uh, spelled you on Spider Man so that you could do this. I am too. Thank you for that. Oh, we both benefited, or all three of us did. Yes, yep. indeed. Thank you guys for coming on. I I appreciate the time, and I always enjoy having a chance to talk to you. Same here. I never get to talk to Sean, so thank you for bringing that to happen. You know, I mean, it's the yeah. second time in however many months and uh and yes i mean we're not gonna see him at new york but uh i'll i'll make it count now yeah this is uh, david especially with our rich history uh, this is always a pleasure to uh, to well, talk I, with. I, you know i i i know as as a general rule you guys aren't a team on podcasts i know you're friends but not a team but uh as far as with this show goes i don't i i'd be very happy to have you as a you know Every so often team that comes on with me because I just enjoy this too much to say, uh, that's it. We're not doing it again. <laughs> I, I, I'd be glad to come back again. Yes, absolutely. This was, this was a lot of fun. 
Especially if we're picking books like this. <laughs> yeah. I'm all for good reading. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am, I have to, I, I'm honestly disappointed that I'm not going to get a chance to meet up with you, uh, this week, Sean, because I, I kind of thought you were coming up until you told me last week that you weren't. Uh, so we're yeah, going to have to figure out some other time, some other show or something to, to get together and say hello in person. That sounds good. <laughs> but in the meanwhile, sometime between now and then, I'll, like I said, I'll definitely have you guys back again because this is cool. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks podcast group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Take a moment to stop by and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.